fresh. Make that the freshest Maine lobster. Add melted butter, a touch of mayo, and a toasted bun. Add more butter. Your idea of a lobster roll may never be the same. Plan your trip at visitmaine.com. Are you ready? Let's make some noise. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Broad Street Line. I am Roy Burton. Alongside me, as always, my tag team partner, one Chris Domingo. Mr. Domingo, how are you doing, as we always say during the pandemic, this air quote Saturday morning, sir? I'm feeling very official today, Roy, because we usually don't have, because usually, because we don't, we don't proclaim ourselves to be the J-Lord. But no. today, we actually have someone that is a, that that is an actual Merriam-Webster's Dictionary journalist. And we, I, we have, yeah, yeah, we have a saying on the show. We, we call, call them capital J journalists, people who actually know what they're talking about in the world of media. Um, a good friend of the show has been way too long. I apologize to all of you guys for listening, who listen to the show, for not having him on the air in quite some time. But we have rectified that today. Joining us on the show today, our good friend, O.J. Spivey, journalist of the Philadelphia Tribune. O.J., thanks for joining us, man. O.J., Hey guys, thanks for having me. And, and I have to steal that uh, journalist with a capital J. So thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for the kind words. No, no, I really no, you're, appreciate it. no, you're a real, you're a real journalist. You're in, you're in this trenches. You're talking to people, you're knocking on doors, you know, the, the shoe leather, the shoe leather journalism, as they used to call it back in the day. Um, so first of all, let us just say, you know, since you last joined us, um, you're a member of the Philadelphia Tribune. So congratulations on, on, joining, on joining that, that amazing publication. Let, and let's kind of start off at the top. I wanted to kind of talk to you about this for a while, but now that we have you on the air, um, you helped put together a supplement for, for the Tribune um, a while back for Jackie Robinson uh, during Black History Month. Um, I think you also wrote the cover story yes. as well for, for, the, uh, for Jackie Robinson. Um, just do you mind taking a couple minutes? A lot of people who listen to this show on Philly Cam and other, other outlets, you know, they're into journalism. They want to become journalists and, and sports writers and things like that. Could you tell a couple, t- give us a couple minutes to explain how that all kind of came about? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, of course, this year was for the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. So uh, our editors uh, there at the Tribune and, of course, you know, many other publications, that was just a big celebration and, you know, a part of American history, uh, part of American sports, and just pretty much just changed the landscape um, of everything. And, you know, they just wanted to do something special uh, for uh, that 75th anniversary and mm-hmm. uh what we did uh, not only me but um my colleagues there just about it was it was a collective effort and it was all hands on deck and i was fortunate just to have the cover story so um that just happened to be you know not that you know say i'm picking you for this and everything it just worked out that way of course mm-hmm. i'm i'm proud of that i'm glad of it and everybody got to see it but um it was just a a, a tremendous um a, a tremendous collective effort, uh, lots of hard work. Um, it was one of the um, most challenging, um, most challenging articles that I've ever done because, you know, we all feel like, um, especially people of color, we all feel like we know every we we know everything about Jackie Robinson, and you know, from what we've read in school, you know, from elementary books to, uh, you know, what we see on TV now. With you know, it's, it's been several documentaries over the years, right. and you know, um, those type things. But um, with me doing all the research, and I learned so much more. And one of those particular things that I that I learned so much, and we, you know, uh, we've known of him being a, a multi-sport athlete, and I just did not realize uh, how great of an athlete he was. And basically, this baseball might have been his worst sport. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> you know he he lettered in four sports at UCLA, and even we can talk about in the nineteen nineteen thirties. 1940s that was unprecedented at the time i mean he could have easily if the nfl was integrated at that time in the early 40s when he graduated and then went on to the army uh he he could have broke he could have been a hall of fame football player he probably could have been a hall of fame basketball player if the color barrier was broken uh in the nba at that time and if he wanted to pursue track uh, track and field. He was an all-world track and field athlete, uh, but of course, uh, the games were at a halt because we were um, in World War. The country was in World War II, so there were no Olympic games uh, during that time. So uh, he could have easily expe- excelled in all the other three sports, and also too, 
uh, his support system, his support system with his wife, uh, Rachel, uh, who's uh, thankfully still with us uh, mm -hmm. at 100 years old. She just turned 100, I believe, early this month or last month. And just the support uh, that he had from her. And um, I don't think, you know, I think we tend to forget um, the support that uh, our families and our spouses have uh, when uh, athletes want to want to pursue, uh, you know, being professionals or they just want to pursue, um, especially in those days, just uh, yeah. navigating through the Jim Crow United States and just racism and not even in the South, but in, in, the, in the North as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it was just a very fulfilling thing, just learning those things. And I, and I think it's important that we continue to uh, tell these stories because in this climate, we tend to forget. Uh, we And it's it's really not all that long ago uh, as well, exactly. even though it's 75 years old, you know. My mom is 73, so it wasn't long ago, mm -hmm. longer, you know, it wasn't much before she was born, you know, and when my dad, when he passed, you know, he was in his late 70s, so, you know, he was a, I believe he was five years old then, so we can't be too far removed from these things, and especially how we um, analyze and uh, we uh, critique athletes now and then, uh, nowadays, uh, we can't forget those things because a lot of it is rooted back to the Jackie Robinsons, the Joe Lewis's, um, who endured so much more and opened the door for these guys. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. And again, just, the, you know, you talking about Jackie Robinson, this leads me to, you know, think about another person who's just had his number retired across his sport, Bill Russell. Because again, Bill Russell was going through, you know, similar things in the 60s. And again, that's not that long ago, you know, right. once you think about it, you know, if you kind of, you know, think about it, it's not that far removed from where we are today. Um, I do I do want to talk a little bit of, of baseball. First of all, I should say, for those of you who want to read that, the Jackie Robinson uh, story from OJ, you can go to the uh, Philadelphia Tribune. Uh, their website is phillytrib.com. So please check that out um, and check out OJ's, the rest of OJ's work at, at Philadelphia Tribune. Um, actually, since I'm speaking about it, um, do you have anything else planned, um, you know, coming up for the, the season um, or this, I guess, the next few months at the Tribune? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, I'm going to – Back, I'm going to start working on a uh, preview uh, for the Eagle season nice. um, that's going to come up. Uh, we're going to do a, a number of stories on that as well. So that should be out just in time uh, for the season, just in time for that weekend, for week one, as you get ready for Detroit and some things from training camp, um, a couple profiles of the actual players. Can't say exactly who just yet, but um, <laughs> I think that it'll be something that uh, everybody will, will enjoy and uh, we'll look forward to reading. Nice. I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to, to checking that out. Um, but I know you're a baseball fan, so I do want to ask you a baseball question before we get into the Eagles. Um, the Phillies have been playing well, pretty well as of late. You know, had, had a little right. bit of a rough patch on, on the road trip recently this week. Uh, Bryce Harper is, is on track to rejoin the team as a DH, you know, probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, Chris and I are kind of divorced, divorced ourselves from baseball a little bit, but we're kind of getting, well, at least I am, <laughs> kind of getting pulled back in a little bit. So let me ask you, as a baseball guy, an official baseball guy, should we finally believe that this team is going to make a postseason run for the first time in a decade, more than a decade? I think so. Um, and, you know, nothing is etched in stone. They do need Bryce Harper back, um, yeah. that no doubt, uh, for the stretch run. And it'll probably be at a perfect time. So it looks like we're going to uh, get him right around maybe Labor Day or so, uh, hopefully. And there'll be that last month of the season to uh, kind of put them over the hump. And, you know, they've, they've been fluctuating uh, in between mm -hmm. the wild card, between the second and third wild card and everything. And I'm, I'm actually surprised that they were able to tread this much water and just kind of, yeah. uh, you know, hold on and still be competitive and still stay, you know, around 10 games or so over 500 while Bryce has been out because, you know, as, as uh, much as they've been holding the fort down, we see some ugly games. Uh, they've been blanked a, a couple of times uh, on a road trip. And, you know, of course, um, playing their arch rivals that made the Mets and the Braves, uh, you know, they're going to struggle with them a little bit because those yeah. teams are just a little bit better, but, they have been beating the teams that they're supposed to beat for the most part. And I think that's what's uh, help, helping them out. And I believe that's what will get them um, above the hump to finally get into the wild card. And we will finally see after 11 years <laughs> to see some playoff baseball. And, you know, even when, once they make the postseason, I don't expect that much. Mm -hmm. um, whatever they do in the postseason, I think that's a bonus. And I just think it's just a 
a, a psychological lift for both the franchise and the fans to say, okay, this team is now good enough to at least make the playoffs and then may, maybe make uh, some strides and uh, make uh, a few moves uh, after that just to get them in the playoffs because I think that's just great for morale because it, it's been way too long. Now, OJ, what is what seems to be the difference between this year's team and and the others that have kind of faltered? Like, I don't know. Like, I like it is. Is it just timely hitting? Is it is it is it pitching? Like, I don't like like I like as someone that grew up watching baseball, I like I feel like I'm watching like I like I feel like embarrassed to say I have no idea. Like, I don't know. Like, I hear about. <laughs> Like, I don't know, like the Schwarbers and like, I don't know, like Reese Hoskins just kind of like your steady Eddie Eddie every year. But like, what is the difference? Is it just like, I don't know, kind of kind of a, like a like a platter of kind of everything? Like, I don't know, timely hitting, a better relief. Yeah, I think it's I think it's basically all those things, Chris. Um, you start with uh, the addition of Schwarber. And just him being at the top of the lineup, even though his average is not, you know, <laughs> what what uh, you know what our fathers and our grandfathers. Uh, lead it's off it's bad. You can say it. it's bad. Yeah. yeah. It's so, <laughs> right. So, but you know what he gives you as far as a long ball and you know his toughness and all. Um, that's that's part of what they've been missing. Um, I think it's also the management too. Uh, mm-hmm. Ever since. Um, you know, ever ever since uh, Rob Thompson has taken over for Joe Girardi, they seem a lot more loose. Yeah. Uh, they don't press. Uh, they don't feel the pressure as much. Um, and another thing that you mentioned, Chris, the bullpen. Uh, for the most part, I, I don't think the bullpen has been getting enough credit um, as they at, um, like they deserve. I mean, they got rid of, you know, uh, some of the dead weight like Familia and you know that those type that type of pitching to just kind of you know get them out. And I think that has helped them as well. Um, but overall, the bullpen has been just dynamite um, and definitely a difference from what we've seen these past years. Or, you know, they go into the eighth inning with the lead and you you have no confidence at all that they're going to hold the lead. Uh, so and also um, in particular with the bullpen, um, you know, you have a young pitcher like Sir Anthony Dominguez, who has been, um, you know, he's healthy. And, you know, even though they have a, a bit of a closer by committee, um, you know, you can rely on guys like that to just get people out. And that's just what you need, hard-throwing believers to get people out. And then I think some of the young guys who are playing every day, not that they will be the future necessarily, um, but, you know, you're getting contri- you're getting contributions from a guy like uh, Derek Hall, who they uh, brought up. And uh, you're getting the improvements from a young guy like Alec Bohm. You know, how far has Alec Bohm come? Yeah. From what was that? Uh, what was it? I hate this. Uh, I hate this bleep in place. No. Exactly. So, <laughs> and, you know, haven't we all said that at one time or another in our job, right? You know, this is Philadelphia, so you know exactly. we're we're going to hate a number of things at one time or another. But the improvement that he has, just defensively, he has a con- he has a confidence to make plays at third base where you know we just wanted to just move him over to first base. Like you know, that's not a position. Um, that you, you'll have to play defense on either. Yeah, of course you do. But, um, you know, he has confidence at the plate. He looks like a major league hitter now. He mm-hmm. looks like a major league defensive first baseman, a third baseman, rather. So it's been a number of things. But I do attest that to going back to the manager, Rob Thompson. Um, and, of course, if they make the playoffs this year, um, he's going to be a manager of the year candidate, no doubt, because I, I don't know what it is. Maybe he's just, you know, just one of those laid-back guys, uh, to where, you know, hey, guys, go out and play. What do we have to lose? But he deserves a lot of credit as well. And it, it starts with him. 100%. Uh, we're talking with O.J. Spivey, journalist for the Philadelphia Tribune. Please do you do yourself a favor. Give him a follow on the Twitter machine. He's at O.J. Philly on Twitter. All right, O.J., let's talk some football. I know you were down at the link um, last week. I know you've been at training camp as well. Eagles made their preseason debut last week. Starters look pretty good. The, the Part of the game that counts, um, the Eagles won, and I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Um, obviously, there's only so much you can take from preseason game week sure. one against the Jets and Zach Wilson and those guys. But just in general, what were the your overall impressions from what you saw um, in that game? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave Jalen Hurst for last because that, that might be an extended conversation. Yeah, yeah, it will be. It will be. Uh, but <laughs> um, I, I think um, – just overall, just with the preseason game and just overall with um, being at camp uh, a few times, I, I'm very impressed and I'm very, well, I won't say impressed, I'm very excited 
uh, to see this team play, especially on a defensive end, um, which we're, we haven't really um, – you know, it's a bit of, of a surprise, but then again, it isn't with the acquisitions. Um, but what I've seen on the field and at at, um, at Novacare and all, um, these guys are ready to get after it. And you know, no matter you know what side that you um, that you favor, whether it's defense, offense, I think both sides are just clashing uh, with each other. And you know, there's been reports of a lack of hitting and everything, but when they actually uh, go 11 on 11. These guys are competitive, and um, I'm impressed by the front seven. Uh, I'm impressed by uh, the cornerbacks. Um, you know, we still don't know. We haven't seen much about the safeties and everything. That'll, you know, that'll uh, be more of an evaluation as we get into the season. Talk about the linebackers, OJ. We haven't had. We haven't been able to like mention Chris, those linebackers without like listen, I don't know. Like it's like a third cousin. It's almost overwhelming to say that, that this franchise has linebackers now. Between um, between Kazir White, between Hassan Reddick, um, and you throw in the Kobe Dean, who has not looked great uh, in camp, but from what you saw uh, on on the field uh, against pre- in the preseason game against the Jets, I mean, he had five solo tackles, and and that was in limited action. And he, he might just be one of those guys, it's early to say, but he might just be one of those guys where he's not a great practice player per se, but when the, the whistle sounds and they get on the field on, on Sunday afternoons, he's going to get after it. And I think they, uh, between him and Jordan Davis, you know, the, these Georgia guys, I think they have a great rapport with each other. And, um, you know, they're even though they're learning a lot, I don't think you're going to see these guys as typical rookies. And, you know, you saw some clips of what Jordan Davis has done and, you know, the, the one clip of him uh, trucking Cam Jurgens, which he's a little embarrassed about. Right. Um, but, you know, that's something to look forward to. And um, even with Cam Jurgens uh, playing center um, in place of uh, Kelsey, uh, you know, he's looked good as well. So it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the defense and what they can do um, and, you know, takeaways and, and actually just getting off the field on third downs, you know? <laughs> so, and, you know, it, it, uh, Davis will contribute. Um, that's going to make everything um, uh, open up for Brandon Graham, who's back and he's in great shape, by the way. Um, he doesn't look like your typical, how old is he now? I think he's in his uh, early mid thirties now. So yeah. he doesn't look like your typical, you know, 10, 12 year vet. So that, that's a good sign as well. Um, so, you know, these guys are going to just open up everything for each other and they already seem like a tight knit group. So I, I think everybody should be excited about the defense, um, you know, as, mu- as much pub as the offense is getting. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want you guys to look out for it because this is maybe something that we haven't seen um, in, in quite a while, probably at least since 2017. No, you, no, you're absolutely right. And I know this isn't a, a judge of anything, but I saw that the, the Eagles defense was tied for the, the top ranking in Madden. Like they had the, one of the top ranked defense or the top ranked defense, <laughs> in Madden, which again, I don't know how much stock you put into that, but again, given the right. additions, you know, the guys that you mentioned, um, this past this all season, the Hassan Reddicks, the Kaiser Whites, James Bradbury, those guys. Um, again, we we should have you know good you know we should have you know uh, positive thoughts or, or aspirations for this defense going forward. I do want to mention though, you mentioned a couple of the, the young guys, actually a few of the young guys um, from this draft class, the Jordan yes. Davis and the Kobe Deans, uh, Jay, uh, Cam Jurgens, couple couple decent guys from last year's draft class as well. You know, of course, Landon Dickerson, obviously Devontae Smith. Is it time, OJ? Is it time? Uh-oh. All of us come to the come come to the altar of Howie Roseman and and, and give our man culpas. Or do we have to give this man some credit for for being a pretty decent drafter? Well, I'm gonna try to duck before I say this because you know <laughs> just a few months ago it was all fire Howie. Don't let him draft anymore. Absolutely then, right. You know, right, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but I mean, listen, I, I got to give Howie credit for this for this draft. And again, we we don't know um, what he's you know, these last two drafts, actually, we don't know actually, you know, what the end game is going to be, how these guys are really going to turn out. But again, just the excitement and the optimism of how these, how these young men are going to contribute uh, with this team on both sides of the ball. I think that's uh, very encouraging. And, um, you know, you got to give them credit because especially with this draft, uh, being able to pull off Jordan Davis, um, which, you know, many, many people wanted, by the way, um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, acquiring A.J. Brown, which is, you know, another one, really like another one, number one draft pick. Um, and also, 
I, I think Nakobe Dean is going to be a steal um, just in the, in the third round um, because uh, even though he's small and again he's not having a great camp, he just looks like he's just going to be a, a, a solid player um, at the very least. And you, you got to give Howie credit for that because it, it is more than what I thought he would pull off. Um, it's like I said, you you almost feel dirty saying it, <laughs> um, but yeah, he he deserves some credit. And you know, you want to look at some of the misses that he's had over the years. Mm-hmm. These guys may certainly make up for it. And I actually I actually will be a bit um, shocked if they don't. No, no, I feel like uh, like a year and a half ago we were we were aware on black at Howie Roseman's funeral. Like I don't know, like right. like no, like I, I mean, like a year and a half ago, this team had had no young talent. They had $30 million of dead cap in a traded quarterback and an unproven jail yeah. like in two off seasons and two draft, like two free agent. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you could give this guy enough credit, but I think it shows in the NFL. That's why, like, I don't know, like it's the most popular league on the planet or in, in America anyway, that like, if you do it right, not even, not even perfectly, your team can be in back in contention from being in a rebuild in, in two seasons. And, and kudos to Howie. And I feel like these drafts are foundational. It's not, it, these aren't band-aids. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like he's gotten young. Red X and the AJ Browns. And, and even in the drafts now you got your heir apparent, you got your, your Jurgens, And like, I don't know, you got your Jordan Davises. Like, I don't know that are, that are going to end up replacing Fletch. Like, I, I, I mean, like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel like this feels very sustainable. Like it feels very, I hate to like put comparisons to errors, but this feels very Andy Reed, like late nineties. <laughs> like, I don't know where, where yes. you got Corey Simons. You got like, I don't know the, um, like, l- l- like you got the guy, the McNabs, like, I don't know the, and you get the Runyons. Like, I don't know, like, but let's just get to this season. Cause I feel like in the NFC, this NFC is wide open. Like I don't think that like I don't like I don't think there's like this unbeatable team in the NFC. Yeah, you, you make some excellent points, Chris, and um, that's that's something that I, I didn't even realize that um, th- this is Andy Reid esque um, because when he drafted guys, he drafted guys for the long game, and um, you know even though those, some of those guys may have not have panned out um, right away. He grew, he groomed those guys into NFL players. And you, you saw those guys with, you know, 10, 12 year careers. Yeah. Um, and he, he got mm-hmm. a lot of production um, out of those guys. And that, that looks like um, they're kind of turning back the clock with this. And, you know, all speculation that, um, you know, how we can't draft um, Jeffrey Lurie, his involvement in the draft and everything. Um, it looks like, you know, they, they've, um, they've corrected a lot of wrongs. Uh, over the past couple of seasons, kind of like that post Super Bowl, just trying to hold everything together. Yep. But now they're, you know, they're still, you know, Howie's always going to be a competitive guy. He's never going to be one who's just going to tank and just, you know, just blow the thing up. Um, so he's always going to try to keep a competitive team on the field. Um, but he has not done a great job uh, of the future. Um, mm-hmm. But um, he, he deserves some credit uh, in that um, because, again, you, you you said a key word, Chris, which is sustainable. And this is what exactly what this looks like. And of course, the three of us, we all know that the key to all of this, of course, is one of Howie Roseman's earlier draft picks. Of course, QB1 himself, Jalen Hurts. So we haven't really kind of talked about that much as of yet. Last year, Eagles, lowest pass-to-run ratio in the NFL, obviously that's going to change this year with the addition of, of A.J. Brown. But again, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and all those guys, only good enough as a guy throwing them the ball. So let me ask you, are you sold on Jalen Hurts as a number one quarterback? Uh, I am. Um, I don't – am I going to say that he's he's great, that, you know, he's going to be Tom Brady-esque or Joe Montana-esque, uh, you know, and that's extreme for any quarterback, right. you know, I should say. But – you know, I do think he's he's a winning quarterback, and I do think that uh, he can sustain himself um, as the Eagles franchise quarterback. And, you know, franchise is a funny word because there are a lot of franchise quarterbacks because um, how I define it is, okay, how long are you going to be the quarterback for this team? Um, and it doesn't necessarily make you great um, because, mm-hmm. listen, uh, you look at somewhere like, a, for example, in Minnesota, her cousins is their franchise quarterback. Is he great? Certainly not. Does right. he put up numbers? Yes. Mm-hmm. But as of now, he's their franchise quarterback. 
Um, but um, I think <laughs> there are so many layers with this, and you know, <laughs> we we could we could speak the whole time about you know we could speak this whole uh, show about Jalen Hurts. Um, but I just think um, there just needs to be some forbearance with him. I, I, I understand the pressure. I understand the Eagles, you know, kicking the tires on Russell Wilson, kicking the tires on Deshaun Watson. Thank God um, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think there needs to be some forbearance because it's a, a number of things. Um, and, and I think, you know, people talk about, okay, he has no excuses now. Uh, but I think one thing that I think we can use, if you want to say an excuse per se, this is only the second time uh, since high school. This is only this is the first time since high school that he has been in the exact same offense. His time in Alabama, where you know Steve Moran, offensive coordinators, you know, out of here like like you know like you you know change underwear, um, you know a whole nother uh, system with Lincoln Riley, right. uh, the four game. I don't even know if you can call it an experiment with Doug Peterson. <laughs> right. And if you if, and if we really want to be, um, you know, we really gonna keep it a hundred. He kind of played in two offenses last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Sirianni's offense, and then second variation with Shane Steichen, which we didn't find out until last season. I mean, uh, the off season. So um, it, it's stability, and I, I think this team just needs stability. Period, and it needs to be stable from a coaching standpoint as well. And you know, just from watching him at camp, uh, he's had a very good camp um, from what I've seen. And you know, other than the um, the report that was out there that on the you know the uh, OTA seven oh seven where he just had a horrible. That seems like, to me, that seems like ages ago, you know, even if it's, whether it's even true or not. And the relationship that he has with A.J. Brown, you know, the bromance, if, you know, if you want to call it and everything, um, that, that seems legit. Um, and, you know, also the reports, okay, he only throws to A.J. Brown. You know, these guys have a good report. That's going to be there. But the difference that I saw uh, with Jalen Hurts is him getting the ball out, you know, his, his footwork, getting the ball out. Um, you know, do you have good days or not so good days? Yes. But for the most part, I've seen those mechanics improve and, you know, uh, making tough throws, uh, whether they be long balls or intermediate balls uh, across the middle, um, getting the ball to Chris Watkins, uh, getting the ball to Devontae Smith um, with uh, making tough catches, um, the, uh, the slant passes, uh, all those things. So, and another thing that I want to touch on that, you know, we, we have to decipher, and even me as a journalist, we have to decipher that, okay, you have a group of people, both fans and media, who say, it's one thing to say that uh, you don't think that Jalen Hurts is going to succeed, but it's another thing to say that you just don't want him to succeed. And, you know, there are people out there who just do not want to see him succeed. And it could be a number of factors. Uh, you can throw in some of the microaggressions, uh, if you will. Um, you know, some of that is still, you know, present, you know, with black quarterbacks. Um, but also, too, it could just go back to them still hating the pit uh, from how. Mm-hmm. And I know people mm-hmm. just still don't like the pit. And if they don't like the pit, they didn't like the pick. Um, right. You know, they're still not going to like the pit. So that's 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 not going to change, and you know you still have some people who are butthurt about Carson Wentz, and you know I, I get that <laughs> in a sense because you know he was supposed to be the quarterback here for uh, 10, 12, maybe fifteen years, and that just didn't work out. And you know the, the Eagles do a great job of um, you know kind of uh, managing that or navigating that. We you know when they pick Jalen Hurts. Uh, no, they certainly didn't. Um, but, right. you know, the way he exuded the locker room, the way he, his presence, uh, his leadership, that's a real thing. And, you know, you talk to enough players, you talk to his teammates, they all believe in him. And I think that's the bottom line. Even if the management is not necessarily sold on him, fans, media not sold on him, that locker room is sold on him uh, to believe that, you know, he can take this team far. Um, and, you know, you may have some other questions with it, and I, I'll answer that as well. But I do think that he will succeed. And, you know, I you know, I guess I'll say my predictions and everything for the end. But <laughs> um, I'm, I'm on a positive side of Jalen Hurts. You know, do I know if he's ever going to be great? I, I don't know that. We, you know, I, it, but we don't need not... him to be great. We don't need him to be great. Like, I, I feel like I don't like, like the Eagles have done a very good job 
surrounding him with guys that he doesn't need to be he doesn't need a perfect rating like he and i think what what you mentioned earlier oj and i and what other view writers have is the decisiveness like and and, and that was my right. biggest quibble like quibble with him last like that last that's year. what you see that's, yeah, that's like, what i've like seen I feel, mm-hmm. and, and that comes with experience like that's why i need to tell myself like he only he's only been like i don't know like he's only been uh like i, I mean like he's only been a real quarterback for not that like long because like he like you said like the constant 19 career playoff. starts well 20 yeah. if you count the playoff game yeah i think a lot of people are jaded by that playoff game and then the sound bite of the you know Tampa Bay defensive coach saying that he can't read and everything. Coaches say all that kind of stuff all the time. That just happened to be just a good sound bite and you know great for NFL films to do that and everything. And listen, we look at history. Um, you know, if you look at quarterbacks, their first playoff game, and you know this is extreme. Of course, Peyton Manning lost his first four playoff games and got blown out on a couple of them. So, right. I mean, you know. First-time quarterbacks are going to lose playoff games, so that that's going to happen. But the the important thing is how does he improve from that? How do how does the team grow from that? What has the team done to enhance it? And I, again, I give the Eagles credit for um, you know giving him even more weapons because just going out there with just Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, um, Quez Watkins, and, you know, in and out of there. And I and I will say to add, um, the receivers look awesome. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm speaking of Quez Watkins, and I think uh, the dark horse here is going to be Zach Pascal. I, I think he's going to be um, very important in uh, third down situations, uh, short yardage situations. Um, he has, seems to have a good report with Pascal. I mean, the times that I was at camp, I didn't see him drop a pass. In fact, I haven't seen many drop passes um, at camp and everything. So, um, you know, I can only speak for what I've what I've seen, not what mm-hmm. other people seen, and I wasn't there every day. But I can't help but, you know, um, relay to for people to feel positive because that, that's what I've seen. And he, these guys are getting after it, uh, despite the reports of, you know, not hitting, not tackling. And again, this isn't your Dick Vermeil or even your right. Andy Reid type of training camps. And, you know, if any of us been at uh, Lehigh or, you know, even before my time, Westchester, all those things, you know, those days are gone. But, you know, many teams uh, in the league, they've gone past those type of camps and they've still been successful. The LA Rams, you know, they they have one of the lightest camps in the league, probably even lighter than the Eagles, and they won mm-hmm. the Super Bowl last year. So, you know, we, we can't take that much stock in that. But um, I just think overall the franchise is serious about improving um, with the acquisitions, um, with, uh, you know, you, you see – uh, some of the mechanical improvements in Jalen Hurts, and of course, it has to translate on the field. But I feel uh, very good about it. No, so uh, I'm oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Right? No, and I like usually like in any camp of in Eagles, like in recent Eagles memory, there's always been some noise. Like I don't know whether it's <laughs> like a right, right. thing or a contract dispute or just like I don't know something something that just throws off like the 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 feng shui of like of a team because that's important like i don't no one can dispute that like i don't know just a vibe around the team is important and there isn't any of that i mean like, yeah it's a great have, vibe it's a great you vibe. have that miles sanders thing but like i don't know that feels very minor and and yeah. i think that all comes i think it all starts with jalen hurts and just him owning and like the last quarterback never owned anything he rented everything like i don't like like this guy owns like the owns the locker room owns improving and that's that that's what has me excited is like i don't know just this team rallying around the quarterback which frankly they didn't do with with the other guy yeah that that's very true and and, and you know again um he exudes that locker room he exudes that huddle um everybody seems to believe in each other and you know the miles sanders thing um that you mentioned you know that might be something to keep an eye on as the season goes on but from what i've seen in camp um i don't think the eagles should go into the season without Miles Sanders being the starting quarter, starting running back, um, because no one, no other backs in that camp has really solidified themselves as saying, okay, they should take Miles Sanders' job. And um, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, um, you know, he's still not ready yet. Um, he'll, he still may be a, uh, um, make a good contribution to this team, but he's not ready to be an every down back. So um, as far as running game is concerned, it's going to be Miles Sanders, uh, maybe Boston Scott. 
Um, and, and that's going to be it unless they, you know, pick off somebody, uh, pick off somebody who, you know, might be cut uh, with the last round of cups going, last round of cuts going into uh, the regular season. But, you know, we're, we're going to see miles this year, no matter what. So, so give us a number. You said that the Eagles are looking to improve, obviously last year, nine and eight kind of snuck in the playoffs. And then we had that unfortunate game in Tampa Bay. Um, Eagles win double digits this year. Did they win a playoff game this year? What do you? What's your What's your uh, opinion about what's going to happen? Yes, I do believe uh, that they'll be they'll have double digit wins. Um, I I put my personal over under at eleven. Um, I like it, but I think I like it, it. But that, but I think they could. You know the way the schedule <laughs> is, and you know we always predetermine the schedule. You know that's a win, that's a loss, and so right. forth. Um, but I think you know if the ball bounces right. Uh, they could get they could get the twelve wins, um, and I, I just think overall that you know they have a great shot at just winning the division because I, I do think Dallas is going to take a step back um, because they've had a lot of subtractions. Um, their offensive line is not you know the offensive line that they that they can rely on um, in past seasons. Um, you don't know how Dak is going to be this year as a quarterback because he's not going to be as protected as much. Um, uh, Zeke Elliott is getting a little older. Um, I don't have, and you know, has some miles on the tire on the tires now. Um, and I don't think that either between Washington uh, and the Giants that they're going to make a significant improvements to try to threaten the division. Um, you know, perhaps Washington, if Wentz doesn't, you know, throw the ball away um, at the, <laughs> the games or anything. Um, but I think it's still just going to be a two-team race, and I, I do have the Eagles uh, winning um, at least 11 games to nice. win the division. And I nice. think also, too, just taking that next step and, um, you know, waiting to see if Jalen Hurts will take that next step. What has he learned from the last playoff game? I know he, he doesn't carry that type of stuff with him, um, <clears throat> but um, I, I think they can win a playoff game. And, you know, I think you just have to – what is your personal, as a fan or as someone who covers a team, what is your personal litmus test uh, to how successful the season will be? The ultimate is a Super Bowl. I'm not even going to go that far, mm-hmm. but you know, I I have, um, you know, I have I have a lot of confidence that they could win the division and at least uh, win a playoff game and get into the divisional round at the very least. And obviously, as we mentioned before, you know, all this kind of surrounds Jalen Hurts or it's on the shoulders of Jalen Hurts to kind of make this happen or, or make this not happen. Um, but you kind of mentioned it in passing before. I, I do want to talk about it. Um, it almost wasn't Jalen Hurts being our starting quarterback because like a few other right. teams around the league, you know, Eagles flirted with Deshaun Watson um, like other teams around the league. And the, the, he was signed by the Cleveland Browns for $230 million guaranteed, which is a whole another story in itself. But um, <laughs> as we're recording this show, there's still kind of a little bit of an impasse between the league and Deshaun Watson as far as his penalties for um, related to – the um, two dozen sexual misconduct allegations that are levied against them. Um, how would you as a fan, let's kind of take the journalist hat off for a second. How would you as an Eagles fan react or feel if the Eagles had been the team that, that signed Deshaun Watson this summer? Uh, well, it, it kind of, it, it kind of seems far-fetched the type of money uh, that Cleveland <clears throat> gave him um, mm-hmm. because that seems way out of the realm of what the Eagle, how the Eagles do business. And, and 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 this will bring me to another point that I that I, I'll, I'll make a I'll make I'll make a parallel to, um, but you know would they have would they have been a success um, with Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Knowing what we know now um, that he's going to be suspended at least six games, um, you know six games is is, is a lot in a season, um, and then depending on the schedule, when you say okay they're going to play. Eagles will play Detroit first week and then, um, you know, play a, a few other teams where, you know, some people are saying the Eagles are going to be 4-0 um, after their first four games. Right. I'm not, I believe that we'll be going into uh, playing Dallas or so. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think they would be pretty much where they are um, because it, it, there's a lot of questions where – there's a lot of questions with Deshaun Watson with him not being playing a year. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you go to the at least a six game suspension um, that, you know, that um, or more of uh, what we know, as, as you said, as we're, you know, um, taping the show. How much would that hurt the, uh, the Eagles with the first six games? 
you know, how is Cleveland constructed as opposed to how the Eagles are constructed. So I, I just think that, you know, overall, to just get back to your your question, um, that would have that would have been a money pit for the Eagles because would they have been able to make the A.J. Brown trade? Mm-hmm. Uh, would they would, would they have been able to uh, pick up a Hassan Reddick or a, um, or a uh, Kazir White? You know, all those type things, because what you pay the quarterback ultimately um, dictates how you how you uh, disperse, you know, salary with the rest of your team. And I say that to say if Jalen Hurts is successful and he is the quarterback next year, we're going to be talking contract extension. Exactly. Because he's going to be, you know, um, he's going to go into his fourth year, fourth year, you know, eligible uh, for a contract extension. So. Um, what type of money will he ask for? Um, is he going to get a, you know, is he going to give a third round, I mean, a second round or third round discount? We don't know. <laughs> um, but, and, and I'm just going to, you know, we're jumping ahead here, um, Roy and Chris, but let's just say um, as great as Jalen Hurst has been uh, off the field, you know, so, okay, yeah, you know, he's a great young man and, you know, he's mild-mannered, even-tempered all those things, is he going to go back and say, listen, you guys didn't want me the second year. Right. Okay, you went after Russell Wilson. You went after um, Deshaun Watson. You know, we have the receipts for that. And, you know, you didn't expect me to be the starting quarterback. So, you know, I'm going I'm going to need some money. And how much <laughs> guaranteed money is he going to get? Because oh, no, he, he'll be the tax collector. He'll be the tax collector. <laughs> no, I feel like, I don't know, like he's just like, I don't know, collecting these receipts. And if he has, like, I don't know, like not even an MVP Albert season, if he has like an above average right. season, he's pulling out those receipts and it's like, it's collection time, guys. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, you'll become, an employee, those you'll become a state rumors? employee of the revenue department, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, like I'm kind of like calling my shot because – I really feel like I don't know, like, like that's why I feel like this, like, and for Howie Roseman, this was always the ultimate lottery ticket. Like, I don't know, getting a second, a second round quarterback on a rookie deal, you can make all these moves. Like, I don't know, like you said, OJ, you can't make all these moves. Yeah, if you basically a million on a cap, just a million on a cap, right? Yeah. No, like I, I feel like I don't like, like this is what we like we all should be rooted for Jalen Hurts to be good. Like, I don't know, because this is because, because then like, I feel next year, if Hurts is that guy, then you're really like, you're shooting for like the stars next year. Like, I don't know. Cause you have, you don't have many free agents. You, you have young developed players. So like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I, I just feel Could be like, in their best interest. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just knowing, like, I don't know. They've they, like, they've, they went out and got Jalen Hurts' best friend. So, like, I don't know. They Like, I feel like slowly but surely, I think the Eagles have said, you know what, let's just legitimately build around Jalen Hurts, not just a franchise quarterback. Like, I don't know. And, like, that's – like, like I'm, I'm getting – I'm slowly starting to feel a little more optimistic about the team. Yeah, and, again, just, you know, it, it all starts and, and ends with Jalen Hurts. But, yep. I, you know, I can't say enough about, you know, the other things that they've done investing – you know, and I don't know if they're necessarily investing in Hurts per se, but they're invested. It appears that way, um, both offensively and defensively. And you know, I, I fully expect the defense to give the offense more of a short field this year, um, and, and give them uh, more takeaways. And as bad as the defense was, I think they had five takeaways last year, and a, a lot of pressure. And you know, we haven't even mentioned that. So, but a, a lot of pressure is going. I think is going to be on Jonathan Gannon. Mm-hmm. He has the tools now, and you know there was a lot of chatter last year stating that okay, and you know he 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 received a couple of uh, head coaching interviews and all, and everyone is tell, all the experts are telling us how great of a coach he is. So this year really proves it because he now has the guys, you know, yeah. per se, to do what he does best to put together you know, schemes to uh, get the team off the field on third downs, to uh, force some takeaways. You know, he has the playmakers now. So, uh, you know, we're going to really see, you know, how good of a defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon is. And, you know, he he seems to be, he hasn't, um, 
you know, from what I've seen, you know, with his press conferences, interviews and everything, he's still even keel. Um, but, you know, you you can kind of feel or feel the excitement um, in his voice. You can just kind of see his demeanor and everything, you know, that, you know, he now has the, the tools and the toys to play with uh, to be a defense coordinator. And, you know, more, more than likely, um, if this defense plays well or plays up to expectations uh, this season, Jonathan Gannon will probably be a head coach in 2023. No, you're you're absolutely right. He's another one of those like other than Jalen Hurts, he's probably probably the other guy or the number two guy in that uh, Nova Care facility. Yeah, was the most extremely important, and yeah, I, I don't think enough people have yeah. talked about that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just to kind of put a bow on the Eagles thing, we're talking about the Jalen Hurts thing. I think another quarterback in the past referred to it as a financial apology. Maybe that, that's what we'll see um, coming up <laughs> in the next few months if Jalen Hurts kind of does what he what we hope he does um, this uh, this season. Uh, we're talking with O.J. Spivey, journalist for the Philadelphia Tribune. Again, you can check out his work at phillytrib.com. O.J., I do want to talk some basketball. I know you're a basketball guy as well. NBA schedule came out earlier this week. I had my red pen out when I saw it. Printed, <laughs> we don't even print anything out. I printed out the schedule. I circled a particular date on the calendar. I don't know if you saw it. November 22nd. That's the date the Brooklyn Nets come to the Wells Fargo Center. Ooh. So I'm going to ask you, you might be even, even be in the building that night. So I'm going to ask you, do we finally get a chance to welcome back Ben Simmons in a Nets uniform that day? Does he play? I, I, I think he, I think we, <laughs> well, this, that's right. It's here, right? It's here. That's the game. The game is here. November 22nd. Uh, it's here. Does, does he, does he, does he put on a Nets jersey or do we see him again in the Louis Vuitton hockey jersey shagging balls, Patty Mills or whoever else is there on the Nets team at on November 22nd? What do we see? What do we get? I'll put it this way. I, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put any money on it. Come on. I wouldn't. Come on. I wouldn't put any money on it. I, I, just something tells me that, you know, you got to look at the schedule and see, okay, is it a back-to-back? That's you know, a good point. Kinda, That's a good point. Is it a back-to-back or is it I gotta look. You know, I gotta look. Hold on. two row games in a row? Um, you know, how will the injury report look a couple of days before uh, the, <laughs> you know, the, the game and all? But I, I just don't see it, man. I, I just don't I, – be, between him and the Nets brass – I, I just don't. I just don't see it happening. Uh, not right away. Not in November. Maybe you know. Maybe in March, the middle of the season, or you know, no, no. Roy where, still where has the other data. Roy still like feels like the most optimistic person about Ben Simmons. That 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 he hasn't seen four thousand examples of him just withering. Like I don't know, but. But Roy's always like I don't know the, the eternal optimist, my friend. No, I, I feel like 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 I'm a very evidentiary person. If I see evidence, it's it, it like I've seen enough evidence the last year that that Ben Simmons just I, I mean like I don't like no one like anyone who thinks they know what kind of player he's going to be against the Sixers or against any team with the Nets is is, is kidding themselves. No, like this has <clears> never <throat> been seen in in the NBA ever. Like a guy that just like I don't know like yeah it, it's unprecedented yep yeah for 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 many reasons I I don't I I, I do think that he will play uh, this season <laughs> okay but I just November I think November is we would think because of course earlier this week they you know they they, they uh, reached a settlement on on a grievance right but I still think November is too soon. Stephen A, like Stephen A, talked to him. He's ready. He's ready. Whatever that means. No, no. I, I feel like there is nothing. Like, and like, I don't know. For all the videos we see him, yeah, yeah. You you don't see him on a basketball court. I I feel like no. Like, I I feel this is like I've said this for (laughs) for years. I feel this is like, like when Steve Sachs couldn't didn't like forgot how to throw to first base on like a, a totally like monstrous level i feel like this like that one play Could and, be, and yeah. I, it's always it, it, it was a culmination of things i don't think that one play set it off i just feel like that was the one play that just like i don't know in moment like like a moment in time and like i don't know i feel like i, I like i feel that would be a major step and in, in his advancement is to just get on a court in philadelphia play basketball and just say i did it throw i did it errantly throw the pass i feel like i don't know that like there's a level of just like i don't know like 
like catharsis I think this guy needs to go through. Like, I don't know, especially here. Well, you know what, Chris, I, I didn't really look at it that way because I, I've been I've been trying to and, I, you know, I've I took some classes in sports psychology, just trying to, you know, understand different things like that. And just being a historian with, you know, guys like Steve Sachs, Chuck Nabla, right. um, you know, we we we've seen guys where, you know, they've, they've had trouble um, just making foul shots, you know, short of Shaq and those guys. Um, so. It, I, I try to make sense of it and, and I, I try to bring the humanity to it, yeah. you know, with, with just, um, you know, and I, I'm not as, I'm not as a uh, hell bent, you know, with my Tiki torch out on Ben Simmons as most people are. Um, and, you right. know, and I, no, but I feel that like, I don't know, like for me, like, I just like, like as a human and, and I try to be at all times, I just like want the dude to like, I don't know, like get over this phobia. Cause I feel like there's definitely, it, it's definitely not a physical, a, a, a lot of this is a mental block. And like, I don't know, like, like the dude has a lot of talent and I just wouldn't want that as just a general human sports fan to go to waste. So no, like, and like, this sure. isn't me like, sure. like playing cute. Like I, like, I feel like, I don't know, like, and like playing with a Kevin Durant is, would be the best uh, way to go about getting your comeback on. Yeah. And, and, and now that you now that you say this, Chris, I believe that uh, he, here's one thing that I think could happen that where you can get your wish, uh, Roy, mm-hmm. uh, to, to see him on the court in Philadelphia is some type of PR campaign. Not that people would believe it mm-hmm. or think it's sincere, but I just I just believe, OK, during that week before or something, you know, do something like take a take a full page ad out in the paper. See, um, no. You know what, OJ? I think you need to call Clutch Sports right now. Call Rich Paul, or you might get a doubt, and say, this is no, because I feel like if if you're not willing to, like, be in front of a microphone to kind of, like, I don't know, but put a billboard out and say, you know what? Like, I don't know, just be diplomatic about it. And I feel like, I don't know, right. like, the, right. the rational people, there are still rational people everywhere, but the rational ones would be like, you know what? He didn't have to do that. I would say, you know what? The guy didn't have to do that. Let's bygones be bygones and just like, I don't know, best wishes on us. No, I, I feel like, sure. I, I mean, like, that's always like, I, I feel like he personally needs to make that step, though. This can't be a Sixers thing. Like, I don't know, because he's removed from the Sixers. Like, I don't know, like, they, right, they, settled, right. they settled for the cash. I agree. I agree. And I feel a lot of, and I feel the Sixers just wanted to be done with it. Like, I don't know, like, they could have, but I feel it just to get, just to kind of wipe the slate clean, but no, I feel like I don't know. Like, like I, I think it's sports fans and like you. Everyone loves a comeback story, and like this would be one of the bigger comeback stories in recent memory of this guy. Like I don't know, just gets on a court. Yeah, and I, and I think I'll even go one further. Um, you know, like I said, you know, uh, take out a billboard, put on put on I ninety five, or you know, or at seventy six if you're on your way to the game, but everything you yeah. see it. Um, I'll even go one further. Do something like. Um, you know, do it, do it, uh, op ed in t- uh, the Players Tribune or yeah. find a, you know, find a reporter. I mean, you know, who is Stephen A. You know, or like Keith Pompey or like someone or like, because I think he's had relationships. Or even, I would say, you know, he's a well respected guy in the NBA, like a Marcus J. Spears or, yeah. or yeah. somebody, you know, who, you know, who's with Anscape, who I, you know, I've written for um, in the past, where it's a sit down where he opens up a little bit opens mm-hmm. up about it and just say, hey, this is where I was. I know, you know, people are skeptical and, you know, incredulous and all just kind of, if he kind of opens himself uh, from a human being standpoint and say, hey, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an apology. And, you know- It doesn't the, even need to be true. Like, I don't know, just give <laughs> that, like, I don't know, you're willing to like, own some of it because I feel that's and what say, like, yeah, my, just kind of rehash and just yeah, say, yeah. you know just revisit this and say hey this is I could have done something I could have done something better don't or I at least could have like, handled it better right yeah. or <laughs> or just even open up what or whatever may be true uh, with your mental illness because I'm I'm very sensitive of that as well right um, just say hey you know if you just let the fans in just a little bit, not that we deserve to be, cause mm-hmm. you know, that, that's very, that's very personal. And then, you know, and I know everyone is, uh, is misskeptical about it, but just 
just something again, again, work with clutch sports, you know, work with your, you know, your management and everything to just, you know, just open up a little bit and just kind of give people a little bit of insight of where things went, went left. Yeah. 100%. And we could talk about Ben Simmons all day and I'd love to, um, but we have three minutes left. And I do want to ask you before we get you out of here, I do want to ask you about um, the Sixers new arena or the proposed arena um, down in the fashion district. I know you had the the Twitter spaces um, right after the, um, the arena location was was kind of unveiled. Um, there's a lot of opinions about the move. Again, we don't have a whole lot of time to kind of get into it, but I did want to kind of pick your brain. Of everything that you kind of know about the arena, what are your kind of what, what's your opinion of of the proposed plan by the Sixers? Uh, of course, you know it, it, it's it's a polarizing um, it's a polarizing thing. Um, it's, it's very important to the city. Um, very important that um, the Sixers owners uh, work with the city. And more so, work with the uh, Chinatown residents um, because this is this is probably going to be the most. If this goes through, it's probably going to be the most important uh, project um, of its kind that we've seen in, in a long time. And yeah. none of this is unprecedented because when you know um, the Wells Fargo Center was built, um, the link was built, and and Citizens Bank Park, you know. That was that was tax funded, and you know there were a lot of um, there, there was a lot of uh, debate on where you know who should pay for it, where it should go. You know there were things that one there was a, a Philly Stadium that wanted to be Philly Stadium wanted to be downtown. Um, at first, that got shot that got shot down. Um, even if we go back to the vet spectrum, you know uh, you can look up archives with that. You know it's controversy with those things. But just to make a long story short, I do think it's going to happen um, in some capacity. Um, when you look at the precedence in the NBA, most teams in the NBA have a downtown arena. So I believe that's basically just what they're going to, the model that they're going to follow. But of course, it has to be done right. And, you know, this is going to go into the next administration, you know, with the mayor, um, city council, um, and the, the infrastructure uh, with the uh, public transit and everything. But my gut feeling from everything that I've read and researched that it's it's going it's it's an inevitable thing for the most part. Yeah, and I think I think we agree on that. I think, you know, our main concern, and again, we don't have a whole lot of time to get into it, but I think our main concern is obviously when you put a stadium like that and put all that infrastructure downtown, you're going to displace a lot of people. Like a lot of people in Chinatown are just not going to be able to live in Chinatown or do business in Chinatown or work in Chinatown anymore. Because again, you've seen you've seen what happened in DC and other cities where you had downtown stadiums. So that's kind of our main concern. And again, we don't have time to get into it. But one of the things that you know we kind of think about is all right, what happens to those folks down there who make a living now, right. who are going to get priced out of you know their 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 homes because of new developers and things like that. That's the I think that's the main thing that that kind of you know that the uh, the Sixers and, and the city kind of need to figure out, but other, I won't say other than that, but I mean, if we can kind of figure out a, a reasonable way to kind of, you know, I won't say deal with it. I don't know what the, what the right word is, but you know what I'm saying? No, like, we can I, figure no, out. No, you know, I, compromise. I, I, yeah. Like, <laughs> and like, I, like, I hate to be like, I don't know, like, like just blunt, but the pot, like, and I don't want to say it's happened everywhere. So it's going to happen here, but I mean, the benefits, like, I don't know, like, in totality, the, the, this is a further greater good. Like, I don't know, right. like, Philadelphia needs to redo that 10th of market area desperately. Like, I don't know, they they botched it with the, the fashion. They've been district. trying to do it, actually, for uh, almost half a century. Yeah, it's, no, I, know, I feel. Even before like, the gallery was built, they just, they've just been trying to get it right, and it just hasn't happened. I take the gallery era because that gallery era was great, but I feel like, I don't know, like in like the last 15 years, like that, like that should be your hub. That should be like your most impressive part of your city. And unfortunately it's not. And they need to like, I don't know, like take, take, like, I don't know, see what DC did with their Chinatown. And like, I don't know, like that's where they're learning from it. Like, well, I I feel like this is a very like, Philadelphia needs this and and like I don't know let's let's work through all the logistics out but Philadelphia needs this arena downtown yeah I don't, I don't mean to cut off the conversation but I, I do OJ I do want to kind of give you some time to kind of shout yourself out before we let you go so please just take a few seconds let everybody know how they can kind of catch you online and, and check out your work uh yeah so uh you can certainly just go to uh phillytrib.com um and check out my work and everything you mentioned it the Jackie Robinson uh, article. Thank you for that. Um, and I have some things coming up. So I'll pretty much be covering the Eagles uh, for this season, um, Sixers too. So uh, we have some things in place, uh, most likely 
uh, previews each week uh, for the Eagles game and uh, some Sixers coverage as well. So go to phillytrib.com, subscribe um, yes. as well. Um, you can always find me on Twitter uh, at OG Philly uh, while I'm tweeting, you know, whether it's with you guys or others. And, you know, uh, we'll go game day and everything and live treat and all that stuff. And um, also, you can go on my Facebook page, which is uh, OJ Spivey-Journalist. Um, I archive all of my articles on there as well. So, uh, you know, what you don't, you know, if you have trouble finding it anywhere else, you can always go on that Facebook page as well. Awesome, awesome, man. I, OJ, I promise on behalf of the show, I promise it will not be as long before we have you back on these airwaves <laughs> again. So th- thank you for joining us, man. We thank appreciate you so it. Much, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> the first cup of coffee, it was awful. Meet Rod Johnson, co-founder of Black & Bold, a premium specialty coffee and tea company powered by Shopify. The journey of Black & Bold started with us opening our online Shopify store while we were burning beans in my business partner's garage. Shopify allows us to stay true to our mission by having an easily customizable and responsive site. They make it very easy for novices to try their hand in becoming entrepreneurs. I was able to do it without any technical background, and I'm very grateful for Shopify. My advice to anyone thinking of starting a business is to just start selling on Shopify today. When you're ready to share your business with the world, grow it on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform trusted by millions of businesses like Black & Bold. Get a free 14-day trial at shopify.com slash free22 and start selling wherever your customers are with easy-to-use tools and friendly 24-7 support. Go to shopify.com slash free22 right now. Shopify.com slash free22.